right. Good morning and welcome to Chanel. We are glad that you're here with us this morning. If you're joining us online, welcome as well. Uh, as you caught the theme so far, today we're talking about bread. Uh, I, I love bit bread, big fan of bread myself. Um, but as, as, when I think about going home, and again to those family meals, I always think about bread. In, in my world, it was that Sister Schubert, the frozen, yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like that was the bread that we fought over. Uh, they were so small, and it kind of felt like you could go after a few and not feel too bad about it. Eddie has already told me that he plans on taking the rest of the loaves home. So if, if you wanted to go <laughs> piece of bread, you got to beat Eddie out there. But <clears throat> I always think about that as a, as a family, as a fa- at family meals, having the Sister Schubert rolls just ready out on the table going forward. Bread has been a staple in human history since the beginning of time. And it's often been used as a way to describe uh, different events, but also Jesus uses it as a descriptor of who he is. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So when I started working on this sermon series that went through some of these food items that we often see at different family events, at different gatherings, especially around the holidays, Bread was easy. It was something that just came to mind when you try to do a theological sermon around bread. But I'm going to be honest with you, outside of consuming bread, uh, my knowledge was very limited. I'll eat whatever kind of bread you put in front of me, but when it comes to actually the preparation of it and all of that, I'm a novice. And so when I put this call out to you guys about, hey, I have a few food items that I'd like to talk about if you have any expertise or knowledge in these, reach out to me. Carrie Hankins reached out to me and said, I can make sourdough bread. I said, this is perfect. This is one of the topics. And so when we were coordinating, she said, just so you know, it takes about 36 hours to make this. And I responded, to do what? Like, are, do we have to go on an adventure to find this bread? Again, to my knowledge, a novice, I did not understand that this is a process for the bread to transform. And so just like we did last week, we've made a video. It's going to be on our social media channel, um, as well as YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We'll put that on this afternoon of Carrie Hankins walking me through the process of using the starter, mixing it up, and then we'll show you the after pictures of what the bread that you guys had for communion looked like. But I want to show you just a little snippet of our conversation where Carrie talks about the transformation process of the bread. We'll go ahead and play that clip. And then... It takes six cups of flour. All right, and then you just stir up your dough. Stir it all up to make your dough. So that's a lot of flour, but it ends up making three loaves of bread. But you mentioned too the kind of the, the process of getting it right. Like what? I mean, I, I don't think I could do this right on the first time. <laughs> it does take practice. So how, how long did it take you to where you were like, I can do this? Um, so like I said, I've been, I had the starter for about a year now. And so it probably took a good six months before my family, you know, they tasted it and they would say, this is, this is just like Nana made. Yeah, you got it. So it, it takes practice and it's a process, you know, like I said, it takes, it's about a 36 hour process because you feed the starter one night. Oh. And then you make the dough the next morning, and then it needs to rise all day. And then you divide it into the three loaf pans, 
and let it rise overnight. And so we'll bake this the next morning. So it's about 36 hours. And so it just turns into a stiff dough. So once we get our dough all mixed up, we're going to let it rise all day. So I want to thank Carrie for spending some time with me on Thursday to walk me through the process of, of how this works. And there were a couple of things that, that really hit home for me, is that you just don't happen upon this type of bread. Like, it's a process. There's a, a planning period that goes into it. But when I learned about the starter and how that works, I, my mind was blown even more than that. Every three to five days, Carrie has to feed the starter to make sure that she is able, when she wants to, to make this, uh, as she calls it, Nana's bread. I love that about the transformation process of bread, is it doesn't just happen by chance. There's a lot of different things that go into it. And this isn't just a new concept of like the things that go into making bread. Jesus' world dealt with this too. When Jesus talks about bread, he's talking about bread that was the, the wheat or barley was made by using grinding grain into flour by using this hand tool called a quern. What they would have done is they would have smashed it in between these two stones and then probably as a punishment for a child, made them grind that up until it got to that fine flour that you were looking for. And then after it is in there, what they would have done is they would have moved on to this particular device here, which is called a tabun oven. Now this is what we see today in kind of the Middle East. This is still used predominantly to bake bread. But what they would have done to leaven bread, bakers might use leftover dough from a previous batch of bread, which already had the wild yeast growing in it as a starter. And they would have used ingredients like olive oil, salt, and honey that could have been included in some of the breads for flavor and texture. And then eventually, they would have baked it in these domed clay ovens. And so when Jesus is thinking about eating bread, he's also thinking about that process, that transformation, that it just doesn't, bread doesn't just appear, but you have to work for it. Jesus talks about bread a lot in his ministry. It's probably one of the, the bigger food staples that Jesus identifies throughout his ministry. And I want to highlight just a few to talk about how bread, yeast, has this transformation process. So in, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus starts this uh, parable about the mustard seed. We're all pretty familiar with this, but he said he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of seed, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds come and perch in its branches. Jesus is emphasizing the, the magnitude of something small, about how like something small like a mustard seed can turn into something large and powerful and resourceful. So he connects that to his next example here in verse 33. It says, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus, again, is talking about the influence of something small. I want you to think just for a moment about a few weeks ago. I'm kind of finally coming out of the haze that was Fall Fest. Uh, Fall Fest was one of those events that like everything was kind of against us. The weather was bad. Apparently every church in the central Arkansas area was like, let's just do it this day. Like we were competing against a lot of things, but we had chili and hot dogs. But apparently it's a game changer for a lot of people. But if you were here, like, we are not the biggest church in central Arkansas. We, we may be considered a mustard seed or a little bit of yeast, but I want you to think about the two hours that we invited people into our building, into our, our fellowship, or family life center, into the Wortham Center. 
we reached a lot of people. A lot of people came through our doors. We fed a lot of people. Even when we ran out of hot dogs, people were still eating chili. I mean, we, we did what we could, and then when we were out of that food, we just started filling those kids with cotton candy and popcorn. We were like, this is, go for it. I guess this is what we got. But my point is, just a little, a small group of people influenced a lot. And that's Jesus' larger point here when he talks about the mustard seed and the little bit of yeast, is the influence that it can have. But Jesus also talks about the negative influence sometimes that can be a part of this transformation process. In Matthew chapter 16, uh, this is one of my favorite stories because the disciples, they, they just assume that they're always in trouble. If you've got a kid, like that's, I, I kind of think about that a lot with Judah, where he's like, what are they wrong? So it says, when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, we may already be picking up on what Jesus is talking about, but I want you to see how the disciples responded. They discussed this among themselves and said, is it because we didn't bring any bread? Did we just get yelled at in the car because, you know, we forgot something? Like, that's essentially where they go with this. It's like, man, we're, we've messed it up. We've messed up again. Jesus is mad at us, but Jesus continues in verse 8. Aware of their discussion, Jesus said, You have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? You still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? There's a lot of theology here in this, like, God will provide, but that's not the point of the sermon. But you can go there later if you need to. But there's a lot of that that Jesus is trying to lay the foundation for. And so Jesus continues, Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered. Don't you remember that God will provide, that God will take care of you? He says, how is it that you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Again, Jesus is talking about how a little bit of discourse, a little discord, a little bit of negative influence can affect who you are. It can transform you into somebody that you don't want to be. But Jesus gives us a deeper version of theology and transformation when he institutes the thing that we call communion. Every time I talk about the Lord's Supper, I always like to include who Jesus included. We kind of omit that a lot. because We like to focus on the good part of communion, of the institution of the bread and the wine, grape juice, depending on what church you grew up in. But Jesus, he institutes this, and he says, I'm going to include people too. And so what Jesus does here in verse 20, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and they were eating, and he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. I always love to point this out when we talk about communion. Because God is trying to include as many people in his, in his kingdom as possible. It's part of that transformation process too. The, the, this communion is offered to all. They were very sad and began to say to him one after another, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread. When he had given them thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. A verse that we're all familiar with. A verse that we use very often on Sundays. And it emphasizes this idea of like what bread does and what it means to Jesus and also what it means to us. Jesus gives them bread as a reminder that they have been transformed. That when we gather together every Sunday and when we break bread, it is a, a reminding of where we've been and where Jesus brought us. 
But something that I, I like to do in sermons is I like to start, I like to end with where I started. And, and I started with that passage that Jesus uses where he says, I am the bread of life. That's a really good, like, Christian mug verse. Kind of what we just talked about, about using those verses in one-off situations. But where that verse derives from is actually really kind of interesting to me. And because I'm preaching, we're, we're going to talk about it for just a little bit. But in John chapter 6, this is how that story begins. So Jesus answered, very truly, you were looking for me not because, they say, Jesus, where did you come from? Um, very truly, I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but food that endures to have eternal life which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then the disciples say, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? I don't think they're being rude. I think they are desperate to see a sign. Have you ever been in those moments where you just kind of want to know that you're in the right place at the right time? I don't think they're questioning who Jesus is or what Jesus has come to do. More so, what I really think they're after is, like, we're, we're in, Jesus. Like, we've got the t-shirt, we've got the mug, we, we've left our families, we're following you. We, just, we need a little bit more. It says, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And in verse 32, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And I want you to see their, their desperation here in this next passage. Because in verse 34 they say, Sir, always give us this bread. And that's where we get verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. They are asking Jesus for this sign that they want to know, how do we know? Maybe you're asking that now. How do I know that I've been transformed? How do I know that the way that I'm living now is different? What Jesus says here is, I am the sign that your life has been transformed. The thing that you need to push forward, the thing that you need to continue on, I am that sign. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. He uses food to institute this idea of transformation theology. That we are no longer like we used to be. So as the bread transforms and rises, so do we. But it takes the proper conditions. One of the things that, that I learned in our conversation, I would encourage you to watch it later this afternoon, but one of the things that I learned in our conversations is like, once you get everything together, once you have that dough ready to sit, you have to make sure that it's covered. You have to make sure that it's in the right temperature. It's got everything, you've got to spray it down. You've got to do all of those things to make sure the conditions are right. Otherwise, it won't rise properly. When we talk about being a, a church that feels like home, we want to make sure that we are continuing to create a, a spirit and a community of hospitality where people are welcomed. We flood people with kindness. Where even when we're exhausted because we don't think that we can make another thing of popcorn, we keep doing it because we want to serve. Because we have been transformed. 
And with the proper conditions and care, we too are transforming and continuing to transform. We are all growing and learning as we continue to harbor this environment here. And when we do that, as we continue to do that, I should say, we continue to be a church that feels like home. Let's stand and sing together. Give me the heart of a servant, tender and faithful and true. Fill me with love and use me, O Lord, so that the world can see you. Give me the heart of a servant, tender and faithful and true. Fill me with love and use me, O Lord, so that the world can see you. Lord, make me a servant. Lord, make me like you. For you are a servant. Make me one too. Lord, make me a servant. Do what you must do to make me a servant. Make me like you. Let's um, pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we, we love you. God, we thank you for this opportunity to sing praises, God, to share in communion, God, to fellowship with one another. But as we leave here, we ask to you, as we always do, God, to put people in our lives to serve and put people in our lives to love. And through Jesus that we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.